Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, Bills Mafia, we know there's only one topic every day, all Bills, all the time. And now Matt Bovey and Sal Capaccio are going really deep, talking Bills all year long, because it's always game day in Buffalo. All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of It's Always Game Day in Buffalo. I am Matt Bovey, joined as always by Bill sideline reporter and beat reporter for WGR 550, Sal Capaccio. We all hope that you are enjoying your summer up to this point. Hopefully you've gotten some time to relax, just go outside, enjoy the sun, hopefully not sweat too much. Sal, summer's tricky for me. Like I very much enjoy summer, but I also very much think that fall is the best season of the year. (laughs) Fall is the best season, probably because all the great things that come along with it, football, hockey, everything's starting up. You have playoffs in different sports and baseball. It is great weather, by the way. I think that fall in Western New York is unbelievable, but man, I enjoy my good hot summer days and playing golf and hanging out. And I, I enjoy that very much here in Buffalo because I know, okay, I only have a few months of this before it's going to turn. That's a good point. I think my argument for fall is that I am the most comfortable anytime that I can have some sort of long sleeve clothing on while also still wearing shorts. Like I love when I can wear a hoodie and shorts. I love when I could wear like a quarter zip on the golf course. 100%. Still comfortable. I very much, and I understand that there are a lot of bad days that come in the fall in the very few elite days mixed in are few and far between. But I think those days, the best of the best fall days, I think are more enjoyable than the best summer days. And I under like, I get it. People are going to get mad at me. That's just my take Sal. No, I understand though where you're coming from. I will tell you I'm with you on like my favorite thing to wear is a thin long sleeve. Yep. I like thin long sleeves, whether it's a hoodie on it or not. Usually with a hoodie, it's great, but a thin long sleeve is perfect for me. I am guessing I could be completely wrong, but I am guessing a lot of the offensive linemen on the bills probably enjoy the weather in the fall more than they like the weather in the summer because Mm -hmm. they don't sweat as much. And when you're in the trenches and you're getting at it, it's getting pretty sticky down there. So as this is the really intentional and obvious segue into our next position group as we break down the Bills roster from top to bottom. This week, we're starting with the offensive line. And for the last couple of years, the offensive line has been like a roller coaster ride. At times, it's been great. 
There's been some really, really good highs for the Bills. But then there's also been a couple really big lows and just massive drop-offs mixed in. And this year, it's all about consistency and trying to be more cohesive as a unit. Last year, there were some tangibles that came into play. There were injuries on the offensive line. There were people out because of COVID reasons. There was a lot of stuff that happened. This year, I think the Bills are just hoping that they can find a consistent rotation of five guys Maybe a couple dudes sprinkled in here or there to fill in, but I think they would just really be happy if they went with their five guys, they were successful, they were consistent, and they ultimately protected Josh Allen. So, Sal, as we get into it, how do you just view the group as a whole? Is there any big storylines that you're following as we head into camp here? Yeah, I think the storylines are what you said, beyond the beyond the starting five, because I think that's pretty entrenched what we can think of. Now, maybe, just maybe, you know, uh, Ryan Bates isn't a starter, but I think at this point he probably is going to be just based on the contract they gave him to match and the fact of how he played last year at the end of the year. So you get Deion Dawkins and you get, of course, uh, Spencer Brown on the right side. It's Deion, Deion on the left side at tackle. Mitch Morse in the center at center. And then Roger Saffold, I think, and Ryan Bates. Beyond that, I think maybe one of the biggest storylines of this entire camp is Cody Ford mm-hmm. and what his career is and where he winds up. I don't think he's on this team, Matt, to be quite honest with you. I think that Cody Ford will be on the team just because he's a cheap body. And I don't want to cheapen Cody Ford or anything like that. Great athlete, exceptional college career, has not lived up to the expectations. But I think given the contract and given where they drafted him, they'll probably still keep him just because of familiarity with the system. I don't think they ever want to find themselves in a position where they need to start him. And I know that's kind of counterintuitive. Like that's what you would want out of a backup, just the ability to feel trustworthy with that person if they were called upon to start. But I think that he'll probably make the team. And one person that I do want to specifically bring up is Roger Saffold. Like that was a really interesting addition from the Bills. That was not one that I saw coming as we were heading into this offseason. I just kind of assumed that Ryan Bates would be the guy who started at left guard and they would go out and ultimately try and find somebody to play right guard. I didn't know if it would maybe be Feliciano, if it would maybe be Daryl Williams and he would stay there. Like I didn't know what this team was going to do. They went out and signed somebody who has made the Pro Bowl, and they're putting him next to the Bills' best offensive lineman with Deion Dawkins. You know, I was listening to an interview with Taylor Lewan, the Bustin' with the Boys podcast, and they had Eric Wood on, and then they also had Josh Allen on, and they were talking about the Bills and the Bills' offensive line. And one of the things that got brought up was Saffold, and he was like, he's one of the freakiest athletes that I've ever been with. And I think that's probably what the Bills are looking for because that's a very clear kind of similar trait that all of the guys that they have right now have. It's just kind of freaky athleticism. So I'm very interested to see how he fits and how he's utilized because there's also a new offensive line coach, Aaron Cromer comes into play. Yeah. And as you're talking about storylines, I'm thinking, Oh, I guess one of them should be Aaron Cromer. It's funny. We've talked so much about Ken Dorsey and you know him and then Joe Brady. But Aaron Cromer, too, right? Aaron Cromer is a, a brand new face, not to this organization. He was here under Rex Ryan, but of course, to Sean McDermott's regime. And I will tell you, he is very, very well regarded. He's very well respected around the league. And going back to Cody Ford, the one thing that I would maybe give out hope for Cody Ford to maybe turn his career around is Aaron Cromer. I think Aaron Cromer could be someone that could reignite that in Cody Ford. I love the fact that you think he's going to be on the team, Ford, that is. I say he's not going to be on the team. And we've had a couple of debates as we've gone through this state of the bills. 
one of the reasons why I say he's not going to be is just this guy you're talking about, Roger Saffold. To me, you know, this was clear. Roger Saffold, we need, we need an upgrade. We need a starter at guard. Then they match the contract for, for Ryan Bates at guard. I think it all has been signaled from a while that for a while that Cody Ford is not going to be here. And that's because they did go out and make sure they got a guy as good as Roger Saffold to make sure they can put right there. And let's not forget. They do have Ike Butker on the team who's mm-hmm. recovering from the Achilles injury. My expectation, he's going to be on the pup list. He'll probably miss what six games or whatever, however that's going to shake out. But at some point he can be also become another replacement. So I think that that third and fourth, if you will, guard spot after the first two is super interesting to me. So I think that when he is ready to go, whenever that happens to be, Ike Butker is probably their next guy up, whether that would be at guard or maybe at center, unless they moved like Bates over and then put him at guard. They like position flexibility. That is something that they truly value. I would also say of the depth guys, Tommy Doyle is probably a lock to make the team. But then after that, I feel like you've just kind of got all of these guys who you can put in one big group and you're like, well, it's going to all just come down to camp. It's going to come down to what does that guy do that nobody else on the line does? And it'll also depend on how many guys they keep. I mean, Sal, what are we thinking? Nine or 10? Is that probably what we're thinking of how many offensive linemen they keep? Yeah, maybe. I mean, they can dress eight and by dressing eight, you trigger that extra active person. So they're going to dress eight every week. So, you know, it's at least that. And I would think nine, maybe 10, but because of the position flexibility, sometimes they don't need to keep that extra guy because they have guys who can play different spots. You don't have to have and pigeonhole them as, well, we need an extra tackle and we need an extra guard. Maybe you can give a guy that can do both of them. So it's going to be really interesting. Now you bring up Tommy Doyle. I agree with you. I think he's on the team, but I think David Questenberry might be ahead of him. David uh-huh. Questenberry's put time in this league. David Questenberry has started 17 games. One thing that stands out to me about the backups, if you will, on the offensive line is the amount of experience they have. David Questenberry, Greg Manns, and Greg Van Roten have all like legitimately started a lot of games in this league. Mm-hmm. It's wild. And I think those guys might even in this, in this year where it's Super Bowl or bust, let's be honest, I think those guys might even surpass guys like Tommy Doyle on the roster who, yeah, we like you. We've invested in you. We have a draft pick. You've been here, but right now it's about go. It's a, it's go time right now. Questenberry is an interesting one because I remember when they added him, a lot of people were speaking highly of how he just graded out as a player. And we're saying that he is just like your prototypical extra guy who absolutely can play when called upon. So just from that standpoint, I feel like he's got a great shot of at least making this team. But uh, I'm just really curious what they do with, because all of these guys we're talking about are kind of on the inside. Like, what do they do if one of their tackles goes down? That's when I think they really will be in a bind. And it's not, I I don't know. I don't don't know if Tommy Doyle is ready to play meaningful downs for the Buffalo Bills. I, I just don't think we're at that point yet. Right. Greg Manns can play inside. Questenberry can play outside. He did start at tackle last year. So I think he's your, maybe a guy that can step right up into that. But don't forget a guy like Luke Tenuta, who they drafted now. Oh, I forgot might, about him. Yeah, you know, that's a now, but here's the other here's the other thing about him, though. He might be a little raw. He's super big. Like you put him and Spencer Brown next to each other. It's crazy, right? They look mm-hmm. like the Twin Towers should be playing in the NBA. Um, but Tenuta... He might be a candidate here if he can have a really good camp. He probably screams more practice squad than anything else. But this is a group. Greg Van Roten, like you just said, inside guy, right? He's a guard. He started uh-huh. a guard. 
when the Bills signed him, Jets fans are like, ha ha, enjoy him. He stinks. Well, guess what? Different situations. He's like the coaches. Eighth, he's like the eighth lineman here. Yeah. And not only that, you, you maybe you're a better in a different spot than somewhere else. Right. Like um, when a guy like Brian Winters comes to Buffalo and he actually wound up playing, you know, more than, um, you know, what people thought he would in the same situation. So this is a really interesting group. Um, I think it comes down to, again, what you're going to do with a guy like at the end and of last year of his deal, Cody Ford, what you're going to do with a guy like Tommy Doyle in a different situation, you invested in him. These are kind of the tweeners who I'm really not too sure on. I'm pretty sure Questenberry makes it. And at this point, I'm pretty sure Greg Manns makes it. I don't think maybe Van Roten, maybe he could be an odd man out. And then it might come down to a guy like him and Cody Ford and obviously the Ike Bucker situation where he won't count on the 53 early in the season. As a whole, how do you feel about the offensive line going into this year, maybe compared to last year? Um, I don't know if I'm as confident in the starting five, although it actually could be better because I last year with Daryl Williams and with John Feliciano, you're like, oh, the years that those guys had. Remember the years they both had the year before oh, uh-huh. and they got re-signed. And I think that made you go, okay, yeah, these, these, this is going to be great. Then they kind of took a step back. I don't know if I have that same level of comfort right now as I sit here in the offseason but I also am going to leave a lot of space, Matt, to say that could be a lot better, actually, than it was last year. I tend to agree. I think going into this season, we have the hindsight of knowing what happened last year. Yes. But I think at this time last year, I probably was more confident in the group as a whole just because Daryl Williams and John Feliciano both earned, like they actually earned the contracts yep. that they got because they had very strong 2020s. I- I'm a little curious about, Ryan Bates, Rick Bates, just the sample size being what it is. I think that he's a good player. I think that he's a lock to make the team, but he is switching spots. He's going from left to right guard. He is going to play a bunch of games for this team. He's probably going to start for this team for every game as long as he's healthy. That's a big adjustment, and I'm just curious how much juice Saffold has left in him. I think Spencer Brown had flashes last year of being like that guy. But still, there were some rookie mistakes. It's like, okay, what can that guy do? When Deion Dawkins was healthy last year, he was unbelievable. But he also had COVID twice. So there were times when he was playing and he wasn't fully healthy. And I think it was pretty obvious when that was. And Mitch Morris is like Mr. Steady in the middle. I don't really have a ton of questions about Mitch Morris. I think he is what he is. And I think with another really good offensive line coach like Cromer, he's probably going to thrive. So I don't really have questions about the left side, the center, or the right tackle side. I do have a little bit of a question inside, though, which isn't that much different, I guess, than what we've had the last couple of years. I like the start. I I, I have a couple of questions about the starting five compared to last year at this time, but I think they could be a lot better. I don't have questions about the backups. I think they have a better backup unit. The Bills, who was it? Ross Tucker actually tweeted out when the Bills signed Greg Van Roten. He tweeted out the Bills might actually have a better second group of five than some teams starting offensive line. <laughs> now, I don't know about that, but I do, do think it says something that a former offensive lineman recognizes that and says that, and I do think it means the Bills do have very good depth along their offensive line. So if they have a guy or two go down, I think that you know they're probably in pretty good hands with the guys they can bring in. Now, there are a few guys in the very back end. I'm going to bring up a name, Bobby Hart. Bills no. fans love to bang on Bobby Hart. No, I get no. it. But I'll yeah, tell you, no. Brandon Bean, make sure he said to me last year, hey, the guy was playing out of position in preseason. You know, he, it wasn't his best because we were we had to move him around a little bit. They did actually bring him back for a reason. Don't be surprised if Bobby Hart's on this practice squad again. <laughs> and mm-hmm. 
<coughs> anybody who's on the practice squad obviously can wind up being elevated up to the um, to the uh, active roster. So I don't expect him to. Jacob Capra is a name that he actually did get elevated last year to a game, and that's that tells me, Matt. I look at Jacob Capra and I'm like, I can't see him being elevated. I can't see him on the team, and that's why I say this depth has to be better because I can't see a guy like that actually getting a shot. And that's going to be my closing thought with the offensive line. Yes, there are some questions with the starting five, but I don't think they're like, oh my goodness, is this going to hold up? It's like, how good can they be? That's the question. And I will say I could make the argument that having depth at the offensive line might be the most important position to have depth on because it feels like every single year, somebody gets hurt or a couple guys get hurt. And then once you start to play that musical chairs, that's when things can get really ugly. And we saw that last year. We've seen that a couple times with this organization. So I think there are some questions. I don't think they're like burning questions of, oh no, this could hold the bills back. But I do think it's something to consider because the expectations with the team are so high. Obviously the margin for error is so small when we're talking about a team that we think could win the Super Bowl. If you go to my Twitter feed at Sal Sports, my pinned tweet is the Bills roster 17 offensive linemen. We've just talked about 14 of them. They do have other names like Derek Kerstetter, Alec Anderson, and Tanner Owen. None of them. I don't think any of us are expecting to make the team, but we just want to make sure you know that these are the offensive linemen competing for spots once training camp opens. That's the O-line. A lot of them. Matt, let's talk specialists on It's Always Game Day in Buffalo. Hey, it's Sal Capaccio from It's Always Game Day in Buffalo. It's not just a podcast. It's the 25th hour of your day, your weekly source for all things Buffalo Bills. Right on time, your time. In the car, navigate the streets with NFL wisdom in your ear. We accompany every errand you need to run. Washing the windows or vacuuming the carpets? Don't just clean, conquer. Podcasts make you more productive because we fit perfectly into your schedule. Follow It's Always Game Day in Buffalo in the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. All right, Matt, so much has been made of punter, 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 holder, 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 mm-hmm. Matt Ariza. And we should talk about him here, of course, right? But he is one of four specialists on this team. The specialists are the, the kicker, the punter, and the long snapper. So there's Matt Smiley. This is Matt Bovey talking. <laughs> and there's Matt Smiley. Then there's Matt Ariza. Then there's Matt Hawk. So there's a lot of Matts in the mix. There's Matt Perino. He's going to yeah. be there at training camp. Maybe Matt Fairburn's out of practice oh, that's every right. once yeah. in a while. There's a lot of mats, okay? There's a lot of mats in this conversation. And then there's Tyler Bass and Reed Ferguson. <laughs> but I just want it to be known that, like, this is the summer, you know, the summer of George. This is the summer of mats, Sal. The summer of mats. I love it. We're going to be focused in on a lot of mats here. And we know which way Bills fans lean on the punter situation. I mean, they've made it loud and clear. They want the man affectionately known as punt God, Matt Ariza. They want him over Matt Hawk, who did not have a very good year last year. We've talked about it when we've talked specifically about this situation, but it's worth reiterating. Matt Hawk is going to get every opportunity to try and beat out Matt Ariza. And I get, think that's the best way to say it because Matt Ariza was brought in here with a draft pick. The bills have an investment in him. And yes, in one sense, 
it's his job to take it away from Matt Hawk. But in the other sense, it's Matt Hawk's job to take it away from the rookie after his down year last year because they did invest in him and say, okay, we got to make a replacement. This is going to be interesting to watch. The thing that keep I keep coming back to with specifically the punter competition was the kicker competition from two years ago yeah. when it was Hauschka and Tyler Bass. And I think that at the time, it was a little bit more split than it is right now. I think 90% of Bills fans would say that they think Ariza should win this competition. I would say back then it was probably like 66-33 with Bass and then Hauschka. But a couple people were like, oh, no, Hauschka's Mr. Reliable. As long as the kick isn't more than 50 yards, he's going to be serviceable. He's going to be good. And then we went to training camp, and it was pretty clear, just honestly, like a weekend, that it was Bass's job. I do think that Ariza is the favorite here, and I think he's a big favorite. If we're talking gambling odds, I'm saying Ariza's like minus 300, minus 350. He's a big favorite to win this job. I know much has been said about the holding. I think he's going to figure that out. I also think it's important. I don't want to dismiss that. I do think it's important, but I think he's also going to be able to figure it out. And I just think from a from a standpoint of like the resources they use to get him, the ability that he has, I, I think he should win the job. And, and I ultimately think he will win the job just because, you know, Hawk had a chance last year and left a lot of, you know, left a lot of people wondering why they, or excuse me, I'm going to rephrase this. So he, he left a lot of people wondering if they would address punter in the off season. And they did. And I think that says something. And we also, of course, have to mention the holding situation. That's a part of this. As much as Bills fans may think it shouldn't be, or maybe it's dumb to make it, this is the way it works, right? Every team in the league has their punter hold. And for everybody out there who tweets me all the time, tweets both of us, I'm sure, why can't they just have a wide receiver? Why can't they just have a quarterback? Look, folks, the, the CBA is structured in a way that you only have so much practice time. And those guys are working with their team. The punters and the kickers and the long snappers are always with each other the entire practice. It is a skill that they have to be very, very buttoned up on, and you're not going to take the quarterback away from his drills. You're not going to take the wide receiver away from his drills. You're going to have to have somebody who's there all the time. You can, you can think that's dumb all you want, but every single team in the league does it that way. We did not see Matt Ariza hold during eight OTAs or minicamp other than on air, basically, not with an actual field goal kicker with Tyler Bass. I think he's going to win the job. I think he's going to be fine holding the ball. Here's my concern, Matt. The first time, like I, he, to me, he kind of has pressure on him the whole year holding, right? Mm-hmm. Like there's been such, so much made about this. Even if he's really good at it, every single time he goes out there, it's like, don't screw up because that's the reason you kind of made this in a lot of people's minds. Yeah, it's an interesting one. But I also think that, I think he's going to be able to do it. And I think that it's one of those things that you don't notice unless there's a mistake. Right. But sometimes even you don't notice the mistakes. If the kick is made, then you're not going to notice if the hold was bad. I mean, there's going to be somebody who's on like Twitter and it's like, oh my gosh, look, the laces were in the wrong direction. That's right. That can't happen. But as long as the kicks keep going through, then it's not going to be a huge storyline unless it becomes a problem. And I just don't foresee that happening. I mean, this guy's still an athlete. I know he's a punter, but he's still an athlete. He's going to be able to figure it out. I mean, Matt Hawk figured it out. I have no reason to believe that 
Matt Hawk is going to be way better at it. He's just, it was something he was good at and Bass had a great year. And I know there's a correlation there, but I'm not going to say that Ariza can't do it just because we've never seen him do it. I just think it's one of those things that he hasn't been asked to do, but usually guys who are talented and skilled find a way. And I'm just going to, I like the idea of the flyer here. I like the idea of the unknown. And I think that it's intriguing to have this kind of raw prospect and the bills buy in on that. Like the bills have done this in the past where they give opportunities to just athletes. And I think Ariza is the athlete here and that's why he wins the job. They drafted Tyler Bass in 2020, right? 2020. He's going into his third year. Um, so I'm going to ask you a question. Is Tyler Bass still the kicker on this team in 2029? Uh, yeah, probably. Yeah. That's what, so, right? I mean, that's what seven years from now. Yeah. I, I would think so. Tenth year in the league. I mean, he's, is he the kind of guy that can last that long because there's no issue with him now. So I'm just trying to create a, like a, what's, what's the story with him here that we can talk about because <laughs> there's no story with him right now. I mean, he's a kicker. He's a kickoff guy. He can do everything. Is he, how long does he last in Buffalo? Can he keep this up for, can he have a 10 plus year career? Steve Christie only kicked nine years in Buffalo. Now he did have overall a 15 year NFL career, but he was in Buffalo for nine years. I think the, I think he is the kicker of this team. As long as he doesn't like demand some ridiculous kicker contracts where they can't afford him because they've got to pay other guys. But as long as he's not like the highest paid kicker in the NFL, he's probably going to be here for a long time unless he really unless he like loses the power and right. becomes like more of a okay i'm going to be really good from inside 50 yards but i don't see him having that kind of trajectory because he just has an absolute cannon and who knows maybe in 7 years he can't make the 60 yarders but he can still make them from 55 whatever that's still fine <laughs> yeah and i mean the bills do have a weapon in tyler bass when it comes to 2022 they have a weapon in him they can use him from all over the field. He can really kick the long ones, obviously. Even even in challenging weather last year, he was very good. But towards the end of the year, there were a couple of miscues here and there, including in that New England playoff game. Remember, two were blocked. And I'm not saying that was on Tyler Bass necessarily, but the entire operation, that's something that has to be a little bit buttoned up. And he did miss a couple of kicks towards the end of the year. Yeah, it's funny. I think of what's the... Okay, here's a question for you. I'm going to hit you back with another question. What's the biggest field goal Tyler Bass has made in his career? The biggest field goal. He's like the it. most important. I've got one in mind. Man, that's a good question. Um, I don't, I can't, I mean, I guess I'd have to maybe go with the 65 yarder in Arizona uh-huh. um, because that was just so long, but that's a, you tell me, I don't know. I have, I, I'm, I'm thinking of this. So I think the most clutch kick that he ever made as a member of the bills was against the Colts in the wild card game to put them further ahead. It was in either the late third quarter or the early fourth quarter, and it was a long kick. And I remember somebody in the press box being like, I cannot believe that they are trusting this dude to make this kick in this moment. And he made it. And it's funny because they ultimately won that game by a field goal. At the time, it didn't seem like it would be the game deciding play or anything like that, but they won by a field goal, and it was a really big play. So that's the one that stands out. And then besides that, also here's another fun one. Do you remember Tyler Bass's first field goal attempt? His first field goal attempt was at home against the Jets in Uh 2020, right? And he missed it, but it was over the field goal post. And it was like that thing where everybody was debating, Yeah, this is actually a good kick. This was called wrong. Yeah, but the poor guy missed it. And then I think he might have actually missed his second one, too. No, I don't know if he missed his second one. I know that year, though, he missed against Kansas City for one of his only misses, but it was because they tried it from like, 
68 yards or something at the end of the half and that postponed game, the game was moved. Like it was a weird, really, really long kick. Like you're right. He, he has the leg. He can do all of this. And obviously a lot's made of 13 seconds last year. What wound up happening, the squib kick and all of that. I, I don't know. None of us know exactly what exact communication breakdown there was, what execution breakdown there was. I just know that Tyler Bass does a very good job for what his job is. Absolutely. Sorry, Sal, keep talking. I'm looking up the game. So I'm, oh, just there you go. To, I'm trying to no. get to it. All right. As you're talking and, and as you're looking up the game, I'm going to bring up Reed Ferguson, the long snapper. Yep. I, I don't know the exact number now, but a year ago, I actually, I did the math on every single, like the number of long snaps he had to have punts, field goals, and extra points as of, this is as of a year ago. So I don't, I don't, you have to add on whatever it was. And it was some ungodly number, like 900 and something straight without a mistake. I, I think that's still the case, but there were a couple that were a little like the wind was like moving them a little bit. I don't think there was anything that you can pin on Tyler Bass that something really bad happened last year. I mean, I'm sorry, Reed Ferguson, that something really bad happened here last year, right? No, absolutely. I mean, I don't think so. Steady, really consistent, really good. And also like a glue guy. Like they very yeah. much val- they very much value him in that locker room. I know him and Matt Smiley, the new special team. Wow, it's funny. I didn't even realize that. Aaron Cromer knew, Matt Smiley knew. So this whole episode is new yeah. position coaches with the two positions we're talking about. But I, I know Reed and Smiley have a very good working relationship. That also goes back. We did an office quiz with these guys, and it was Matt Smiley as the kind of narrator with myself and Reed Ferguson was one of the contestants. So uh, they have a, a really good relationship, and I think that translates onto the field as well. Before, did you find your answer? I didn't because my stupid browser keeps freezing. It won't oh. let me. It won't let me look up the splits from that year. I don't okay. know why, but it won't let me look up the splits. Okay, well, I'll look it up, and I want to ask you a question about Reed Ferguson. Like, have like. I mean, just kind of talk about his rise to like fan favorite fandom, because this is a guy like he's a party. Most long snappers are just long snappers. You're every once in a while, you get a guy like what John Dornbus was the, was the magician, right? Was that him? I think every once in a while you get guys like that, but Reed Ferguson has really ingratiated himself like into Bill's mafia and the grilling, the podcast with his brother, who's the long snapper for the Miami dolphins. Like he's a personality on this team now, Matt. Yeah, Reed Ferguson, I think, has utilized social media about as good as any or about as well as anybody on the team. And I know that he's not on the status of like Josh Allen, Stefan Diggs, any of those guys, but Reed Ferguson is accessible. Like, if you want to tweet at Reed Ferguson, like, chances are he's probably going to see it. And who knows? Maybe he's even going to respond. And he does this whole Grills Mafia thing. He is involved in the community. He gives back in the community. He spends a ton of time in Buffalo. He's just a very relatable, chill dude. And I get that that's like kind of the long snapper lifestyle, but he has never taken himself too seriously. He's usually the guy who makes jokes about like what he does for a living compared to what some of his other teammates do. But don't let those jokes and like that kind of vibe fool you. Like he is very, very, very good at what he does. And I think the proof is also in not just him, but also in his brother. Like there's not many brother combinations of long snappers that exist, but Reed was so good at it that Blake was like, okay, I'm going to use your path and also get to the NFL. And he has, and Reed also brings up the fact that Blake has never beat Reed in an NFL game. So every chance that he gets, he's always like, yeah, no, we're still, you know, perfect against him. He's never going to beat us. So that's always kind of fun to see that banter. And it's fun uh, getting to know their parents, Kevin and Tracy, they actually have, that duo Jersey thing, you know, half and half, uh-huh. and things like that. they can do yep. that. Um, so that's really cool. I did find Tyler Bass's stats and splits 2020. You're right. Uh, that year he did miss 
two of four, his uh, first game ever. And that was against the jets. And then he, he went one, two, three, he missed the next one against Kansas city. Like I said, at the end of the half, and then he had that six for eight game against the jets that year. He was two for four and then six for eight against the jets overall. Ward, if, unless I'm wrong, did they only score field goals in that game against the jets? Yeah. That second one, they had 18 points and he had six field goals against the jets. That was that uh, October game at New York. That's wild. I know. Like, how does that even happen? They, they were really bad in the red zone that year. They were great in the red zone, except for the two games against the jets, which was amazing. The home game and the game there, they were just like really, really good in the red zone. So that, that first jets game. So the first game of the 2020 season was Josh's first <laughs> game where he threw for more than 300 yards. Right. And it feels like an eternity ago that we're talking about a quarterback who has never thrown for more than 300. People were like, he's not good. He's a game manager. Yeah, blah, 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 blah. He can't even throw for 300 yards. How many times has he done it since? It's insane. Oh, my God. That's right. And then he threw for 400 yards the next week against the Miami <laughs> Dolphins, right? That's exactly. very, very, very good. All right. Well, that will put a bow on the specialists. As we march through the positions on our state of the bills on it's always game day in Buffalo. Hey everyone, this is Brett Boone. Would you know it? I've got a podcast going strong in our fourth year. Tune in as I sit down with my friends, some of the biggest names in sports, media, entertainment for a lot of fun and in-depth conversations. As you know, baseball's been my life. It's been in the family for a long time, but it's a lot more than that here. It's sort of like taking a ride in a golf cart around a beautiful track. Join me every week for multiple episodes on the Brett Boone podcast, available on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. So as we like to do with some of the ends of our podcast, we did want to answer some of your questions. And there was one question that stood out that caught both Sal and I's attention. It caught my attention because I had a burger for dinner tonight. Sal, (laughs) why did it jump out to you? Yeah, because Faith asked me that question. I'm like, you know, that's a good question because I don't know. I don't really talk a lot about my food takes. And I think it's weird because everybody's kind of a food critic and food expert on Twitter. And I'm not Uh that guy, but I definitely have my opinions, right? So Faith, thank you very much, Faith, for asking the question. I actually replied to her on Twitter, but I said, hey, I didn't use, we didn't use this on the show. So we're using it today on this show, on this episode. And the question was, what's your favorite burger topping or toppings, I guess. So Matt, I'll go first here and I'll say, first, I love a good burger. I use, I, I like my burger, medium rare. How do you like yours? Medium rare. I like it, man. Like nice and juicy, right? Mm-hmm. And on that burger, I'll do the regular lettuce, tomato. I'll do that. I like bacon and I like mushroom. Like you give me a bacon mushroom burger. Now it's got the grease. It's pouring out. It's not good for me. But every once in a while, I'll go the works. To me, that's the works. And you know what? As far as sauces, condiments, give me ketchup, mustard. I don't care. Or if you have some sort of specialty sauce you make, whatever. A lot of times, you know, restaurants do that. But the bacon and the mushroom, to me, together, make a great, great burger. All right. That's a very good answer. And I think that's like the very traditional, yes. really strong burger I'm answer. A traditional guy, yeah. I am not a huge, and I know I just said that I had a burger for dinner. I, <laughs> I, have, I have burgers like once a month, if not less than that. But if I was like, okay, you're having a burger tonight and you can put anything on it, I would want, this is going to sound crazy. I want a burger. I want peanut butter. I want bananas. I want honey and I want bacon. And I know it's my wife's in the kitchen right now. 
she just said what? ooh. She heard me. She just heard me say that out loud. My wife just said ooh. Oh my but no, God. it's delicious. And I know it's a weird combination. But Go there through are this again. Go through it again. Okay. Burger. Yeah. Peanut butter. Peanut butter. Bananas. Bananas. Bacon. Yeah. And then probably like a little honey or like some sort of like drizzle on top of it. Okay. My question is, how do you even arrive at this combination? Like what happened in your life that one time you tried this? So I was at this place in Atlanta and they were like famous for this type of burger. It was called, I think it was called the Vortex. And it was like one of those like famous food spots that's been on a bunch of like famous TV shows and whatnot. And I think it's called like the fat Elvis burger, because I guess like Elvis's sandwich was like a banana and bacon and peanut butter sandwich or, or some sort of combination like that. And there's a lot of places that do things that are similar now. So I know peanut butter on a burger is like really crazy to some people, but it's really good. It's really good here. I just, if you think that I'm crazy, maybe I am, but give it a try at least once because it might pleasantly surprise you. Okay. I mean, I'm for trying new things on burgers or whatever, but I, this is very interesting to me. I've never, I mean, I, you can go to you can go to restaurants and order like a peanut butter and jelly on your burger. This combination though seems a little wacky to me. There's a lot. I'm like looking it up right now just to make sure that I'm not like losing my mind. And it's a very popular combination of like a burger with peanut butter and bacon on it, and then some sort of other things to make in addition to it. Okay. But that's also not like something that you would probably ever make at home. Like if you were making a burger at home for like a cookout or something, basically what you said excuse me, is exactly how I would want it. I would want a burger with bacon. I'd want pepper jack cheese and I'd want lettuce and tomato. And then I would probably want like ketchup, maybe mustard too, but like nothing crazy. But like if you're at a place and you're looking at the menu and it says bacon, peanut butter burger, think of this episode of the podcast and (laughs) give it a shot. All right. Well, listen, while we are in Rochester, you will have a lot of chances to eat these burgers (laughs) your, your own way. As we wrap up this edition of It's Always Game Day in Buffalo, lots of people are making their plans to go to Rochester, Matt, to yeah. go to St. John Fisher, to go out there for some training camps. My family's going to be out there. It's, it's a really cool time. If you've never been out to Rochester for camp, it's so fan-friendly. It's so family-friendly. It's really mm-hmm. awesome. We've heard from a lot of other media who come in, national media, who say that's the one of their favorite spots to go to because it is so fan-friendly to everyone. There are, what, 11 chances for fans to go out to St. John Fisher I think 10, maybe the other ones in Buffalo, but to go out to St. John Fisher and watch their team. And if you go out there and you spend a day, you spend a night, you'll be like us because we stay in the dorms and we hang out and not every night necessarily, but a lot of times we're there all through the day for practice, writing, editing, video, doing your standups for TV, doing radio hits, and then at night. And then we go out. You have a particular favorite place you like to go to anywhere that kind of hits your mind that you like to go to? Yeah, it's not necessarily a restaurant. It's this place called Marge's Lakeside Inn. Sal, have you been there? I have. And I have friends that go there who live in Rochester and they have live bands, right? Yep. It's really cool. It's right down on the water. It's by like Seabreeze Amusement Park. So if you're going with a family, you could absolutely do that. You could go to Seabreeze. It's a really cool little amusement park. Um, Think like... 
fantasy island on steroids is basically how I would explain like Seabreeze to somebody. But Marge's is right down the road. It's like this little house. You walk in, there's a bar right when you walk in, and then you continue out the back of the house and there's a private beach and it's right in the water and it's very, very cool. Um, there's like Adirondack chairs all over the place. There's like these little fire pits and you can just kind of sit there and look at the water and the weather is, you, if you're there, the weather is probably great. Watch the sunset, have a couple drinks. It's a really, really cool spot. And it's only about a 15 minute, 10, 15 minute drive from St. John Fisher. So it would probably be like to cap off an entire day if you were spending it in Rochester, not like going to Bill's practice and then going right to Marge's. I guess you could do that too, depending on the hours, but a really cool spot. Yeah, that's awesome. I love it. Um, the, the spot I go to the most because it's close by and it's got really good food. They did have karaoke. I don't know if they still do. Uh, but outside, inside the Pittsburgh pub. The Pittsburgh pub is a really good spot. They have a really nice menu. Great people that work that work there, but you'll see a lot of the media there a lot because it's actually right down the street off North Main Street and on North Main Street, I should say. It's a really nice place. And I love going in there. They have another place connected to it called JoJo's Bistro yeah, and Wine really Bar. Good. And that's really good. Where, they're both connected to each other, but it's super close. So if you're going there, you're after practice, you want some lunch, go to the Pittsburgh pub. I'm just gonna recommend it. It's really cool. They have TVs in there, they it's a sports bar, they have an outside patio, and then JoJo's is right there. I'd say JoJo's a little bit more like Fine dining, upper, you know, wine, things like that. Yeah. But you know, the menu that they have the, just a regular, they have a regular food menu, like bar menu at Pittsburgh Pub, and just you know, other really nice eats, I guess. So I would recommend that for sure. And if you're going with a family, because so many people go to training camp as a family and you want to make like a little bit of a day out of it, but you don't necessarily know like what your kids would like to eat, or if you want to do a full meal or whatever it is, the Pittsford Farms Dairy is oh, yeah. a really strong, solid ice cream place. And I just looked it up on maps for you. It is a whopping four minutes away from St. John Fisher. So if you wanted to go to practice and then go have a nice ice cream in the afternoon and then ultimately make the drive back to Buffalo or to wherever you're going... Pittsburgh Dairy, a really good spot with some really strong ice cream. Yeah, that's for sure. There's also obviously a lot of great golf courses out there. I mean, they are known for their golf courses, obviously right there in the area. Um, you know, you have Oak Hill. If you can get on Oak Hill and you can play it, <laughs> yeah. I'll say the same thing to me. Actually, one of my favorite courses to play in all of Western New York is a which is right next door to Oak Hill. I've played there. And again, you have to be able to get on it. There's different ways you could do that. You know, people or whatever. But these are some really fine courses that are located right there in the heart of where Pittsburgh, where training camp is. Buffalo has great golf, but as somebody who is from Western New York, Buffalo, mm -hmm. the Buffalo side, I am jealous of Rochester golf. Rochester golf is awesome. Their highest end golf courses are just like elite. Amazing. Awesome. I mean, nothing compares to Oak Hill. And a lot of people say, so I've, I've been very fortunate. I've got to play Oak Hill East twice. That's the championship course. I have not played West, but I've heard people tell me that the West course is even sometimes more enjoyable than the East course. And it would probably be the second best course in Rochester, but it's still part of like the Oak Hill family. So it never gets maybe the recognition that it deserves, at least on the West coast. Uh, I've never played around I've heard it's amazing. There's also like Monroe country club. That's right over yeah. there that I guess is really good, but there's also a lot of great public golf courses there. There's Ravenwood. Um, there's a couple other ones that are down there, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's a really, really good golf town. Listen, there's lots of great places to go and 
get some food, get some drinks. We just highlighted a couple of ours. We don't want to leave anybody out. Like if you're out there, you know, the, the people are friendly. It's a great time. Highly recommend it. Check it out. Um, I know we have at our website, WGR550.com, uh, the Bills schedule. I'm sure you do as well, WKBW.com. So you can go check all that out and you can, you know, figure out when you want to go and, and what you want to do there. So, yeah, it's pretty cool. I'm looking forward to training camp. Looking forward to being out there with everybody again. I really enjoy it. And it is something that I think the team values very much. Like I think they take pride in going to Rochester. And I think they believe that it brings the team closer together. And it's hard to argue that it doesn't because those guys spend so much time together. They practice, then they go have lunch together. Then they do their walkthroughs. And then a lot of them will maybe go golfing or they'll hang out in their room and they'll play cards or they'll play video games or they'll do whatever they want to do. But I mean, when you're forced to be with your team, teammates for a couple weeks usually that's some good quality time we're forced to be with our teammates as well all the colleagues that we work with in media i, I will tell I'll, I'll i'll share this final story because i i mentioned the karaoke at pittsford pub and there, there's a reason i mentioned it so years ago they had it i don't know if they do anymore and we go down there this has had to be 2016 i guess so we're in there and i'm i'm with our friend josh reed who works over at wivb tv in buffalo and we're in there and you know, kind of closing the place down, let's say, Matt, at night, right? And they were doing karaoke and everybody's up there having a good time. And the woman's closing all the karaoke down. She's shutting it down. And we're walking out. And this is probably 11 to 1130. We're walking out. We're one of the last people left. Well, in walks Ed Reed as we're walking out, who was a coach for the Bills at the time. And Ed's walking in with a couple of friends. And Ed says, whoa, 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 karaoke? Why are you shutting that down? And we're like, oh, wait, 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 Ed, you want to do karaoke? So we had to tell this woman, you need to let Ed Reed sing karaoke. He's Ed Reed. You got to let him sing karaoke. There had to be, I'm not kidding you, other than the employees, Matt, there had to be maybe six or seven people in the entire place, including us and Ed Reed. And Ed Reed got up and sang karaoke. And then we got up on stage and sang karaoke with Ed Reed. And forever to this day, I tell people, I sang karaoke on stage with Ed Reed. What was the song? Do you remember the song? I have no idea. I don't even remember. <laughs> Maybe I'll have to ask Josh and we'd have to remember. It was, it was fun, though. We had a great time. But that's what Rochester and training camp can do for you. Now, I will tell you, days are different now under Sean McDermott's staff than they were under Rex Ryan's staff. <laughs> Just a little bit. Just a little bit. At 1130 or midnight. There's no <laughs> doubt about that. But that's the kind of thing that you could do in Rochester when you're just out at night having a good time. Yeah, I. that's a great story. I remember hearing the story the first time and just thinking it was amazing that Ed Reed was, well, I, I guess I wasn't surprised that any of the coaches were out because we saw plenty of them. Yes. But the fact that he was doing karaoke was amazing. And also like you're a performer. So kudos to you for <laughs> thriving in that situation. Oh. I, I don't think I could do karaoke under any circumstance. Oh, really? Like no. you've never done it? I think I've done it once, but I was like, 13 years old and it was like part of a bet, but I would be terrified to go sing karaoke. Wow. Well, guess what? We might have to make this now a challenge to find a karaoke bar in Rochester for Matt Bove to go up and sing karaoke. If in your wildest dreams or nightmares, you did sing karaoke, what would you sing? It's all coming back to me now. Celine Dion. Uh, yeah, for sure. I mean, but here's the thing. You said that so quickly. Yeah, because I've like, you thought, said it I've, so I've like, quickly. I've like thought about what I would sing, but I would never do. Well, so there's like a lot of you, you can't see this. Sal and I, we can see each other's faces. Obviously, I'm blushing so much. Yes, right you now. are. 
Um, I think that would be the answer because it's just such a great song. Um, but I also there's like so much range in that song that I would yes. just completely butcher. So if I had to sing a carrier, like if I had to, I think I would pick a song that's just like a sing along that everybody would sing and that I wouldn't have to think. Maybe it would be like. I don't know, like Mr. Brightside or like Friends in Low Play or like just a sing-along yeah, song yeah. that like everybody knows, basically, just so I didn't have to like embarrass and suffer myself. We were we were in a situation. We were in a karaoke bar in New Orleans the night before the Thanksgiving game. Yeah. And I was with like 10 of our colleagues, basically. And everybody was like picking out what they were going to sing. And I could not have been out of there fast enough. I was like, all right, bye, everybody. Have a great night. Wow. See you guys tomorrow. And I just walked home by myself. This is our challenge to do. I, I look, I'll be honest with you. Like, I'll do Sinatra. Like, he's my range. I like, I can definitely like do Sinatra for sure. But I try to challenge myself to other things that, that might not sound as good, but I think I'm okay at it. But like, I try to stay in my range there and what I know I can do. I have a few go to songs. Sinatra is one of them. But I think that whether it's Celine Dion or anything else, we're getting you on stage to do karaoke this fall. Like that's the challenge now. Yeah. It's the always game day in Buffalo challenge to get Matt Bovey to sing karaoke in Rochester during training. Camp. Well, good luck. Do you remember, <laughs> do you remember Keith Radford, the long time yes, anchor, of anchor at channel seven, yes. big Frank Sinatra karaoke guy, big, nice. Fra- big Frank guy. We used to like, be sitting, yeah, it was great. We, we used to be sitting there in the commercials and he would be singing Frank. And I was just like, man, Love it. What a legend. What a guy. Love it. Absolutely love it. We hope you loved this edition of It's Always Game Day in Buffalo. We want to thank our producer and editor, Jim Stalianu. We want to thank you for listening. Please download, subscribe to us. We really would like you to subscribe because then you get all of these podcasts right into your browser, Spotify, Apple iTunes, Google Podcasts, wherever it is, the Odyssey app, wherever you listen, it'll come right into your browser and you'll get four of them at a time. Look, some people might think, hey, that's a little weird. But that's because you get the whole episode and you get each segment broken up so you know exactly what you can go listen to if you want to listen to that particular segment. We're breaking down the bills, the state of the bills, position by position. And for Matt Bove, I'm Sal Capaccio. You can catch him on WKBW-TV in Buffalo. Matt, what do you got going on here the next several weeks? Several weeks. Going to enjoy some time off, go on a little bit of a vacation, just kind of decompress because we know we got to be so on once training camp starts. It's like bittersweet excited to get ready for training camp, but also that means summer's ending. But going back to the beginning conversation, that does mean we're close to fall and fall's the best. So that's okay. That's right. And uh, I'll be doing the same thing. We'll be talking a lot about our vacations and what is a, what we did as we look forward to training camp. And on the next episode, we're going to look at the defense, defensive line and defensive uh, tackles and ends, I should say, here on It's Always Game Day in Buffalo. Thanks for tuning in.